0: covering all aspects of milwaukee brewers baseball it's time for brewers extra innings the podcast here is your host matt
1: Pauley. It is time for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. It is fantastic to have you with us. The season is underway. The Brewers opening up their season, losing two out of three in Chicago, but they're able to pick up their first win of the year on Sunday, salvaging a game in the series. On this week's show, we are going to be joined by Bally Sports at Wisconsin's Vinny Retino. He is set to be with us in just a few moments. And uh, we're going to mention something new he's doing. He and I are going to be uh, with each other a little bit more on the radio. We'll explain that coming up in uh, just a few moments. First off, our housekeeping items here at the top of the podcast. If you ever want to get in contact with me, best way to do so is on Twitter, at Matt Pauly on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. And uh, also, if you do listen to the podcast and Apple podcast and want to uh, subscribe and leave a ranking and review and all that sort of stuff, It's uh, fantastic because it helps more people find the podcast, and that's what we are always looking for, hoping uh, that as many people as possible listen to this show on an every week basis. All right, so the Brewers lose two of their first three in Chicago, and the starting pitching leaving something to be desired in each of the three games when it comes to Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, and Freddie Peralta. You could find some positives, especially with Burns and uh, Peralta, you could find some positives, Woodruff... after having a really, really tough first inning, he locked in on occasion, but of the three starts, that was probably the one that was the least impressive of the three. I have a really hard time with evaluating things at this time of the year. And I think it's even more challenging this year than most other seasons because you're coming off the shortened spring training. All these pitchers who are out there should have had another two or three Cactus League appearances before the season got started, and that just didn't happen this year. So I I always say this. This is not me making excuses. Uh, These guys, if their struggles were to continue throughout the course of the year, and there is no reason to believe that that's going to happen, but if it were to happen, well, then you could retroactively go back and say, well, look, look at how that first weekend went. You saw it from the start that it wasn't going to be the same for the guys this year. And while you would be right, I would say there is a better chance that these guys are all going to put together really, really good seasons and they're going to be fine. It might just take a little bit. I think I mentioned this on the podcast last week. I've mentioned this in a, in a bunch of different areas and certainly uh, on the postgame show that we do on WTMJ. Brandon Woodruff, after his final Cactus League start, he said he wished That there were another two or three Cactus League appearances for him uh, before the regular season got started. It was just, it was a very rushed spring training this year coming off the labor negotiation. And thankfully, at least, we're not going to see this for at least the next four years as this uh, collective bargaining agreement does play itself out. Uh, But it's just it's real. And I I say this every year, even after normal spring trainings, I say this, I just I don't know how to evaluate anything that you see. The the one thing that maybe I give a little bit more credibility to is if there was an issue that existed last year for a team and that issue is seemingly there to start the season. At that point, you know the spidey senses start to react a little bit, and you go, "Oh, this is this is more of the same." Like when when the team struggled hitting with runners in scoring position, that felt like something that we've seen before, and that's not good. Christian Yelich, uh, before his Sunday game, where he hit the he had two hits, including a double down the left field line, which just looked like vintage Christian Yelich. For his first two games, he was doing a great job of getting on base, but. He wasn't getting hits, and that looks similar to what we have seen in, in recent years. And I've always said this about Yelich. I've said it over and over and over. Yelich helped the Brewers win games, even in these last couple of years where he struggled. His ability to get on base was a benefit to this lineup, and it was a good thing. But, and this is this is a, a big part of the expectation when it comes to Christian Yelich, He's expected to do more. He's expected to hit for power. He's expected to put the ball into the gap and get extra bases and drive in runs. So, it, so often we go to one extreme or the other. And I feel like for the last two years with Christian Jelic, he yes, it is true that he has not been – the extra base hit machine that he had been before and he had not been driving in the runs like he had before and that was something this team needed but to also say that he was not contributing to the team is just as as incorrect because he he's he gets on base at, at an elite level and but you get on base you need to be able to find ways to drive those guys in I had a I had a caller call in on Sunday to the uh, Brewers x post game show, and it's on this podcast feed. Uh, you can certainly check it out uh, for yourself. Had a caller call in on on Sunday after the game asking what happened to small ball like, and, and talked about sacrificing and bunting and suicide squeezes and things like that. And look, the, the bunting conversation, we laugh about it sometimes. The bunting conversation is, bluntly unfortunately one that we have a lot and I always I say the same thing over and over and over from the aesthetics I will for the people who want to see bunts and sacrifices and hidden and runs and moving runners like all that stuff for the people out there who want to see that I will agree with you that that is a more entertaining version of baseball there's always something going on. There's constant activity and motion, and there's just, it's fun. It is, it is a fun game to watch. Unfortunately, and I will say unfortunately, because I do think that's a more entertaining style of baseball. Unfortunately, that's not a winning style of baseball. As numbers have proven time and time again, and I'm not saying there's never a place for a bunt. I'm not saying there's never a place for a hit and run. I'm not saying there's never a place uh, to try a suicide squeeze. Like I'm not saying there's never a place for that stuff. There is. But in today's game, you do that stuff too often, you're going to lose a lot of games. And I always like to say that managers and general managers are not paid to provide an entertaining style of baseball. They're paid to win games. Now, Maybe this is going change a little bit. Major League Baseball has been taking a long... Life. Everything I'm saying, Major League Baseball is well aware of. And it's part of the reason that Theo Epstein is working with Major League Baseball. It's part of the reason that we're probably going to see some rule changes moving forward, uh, banning the shift and things like that, just trying to promote more activity and more offense and more hits and not just the, the three true outcomes of the... Um, of the walk, the strikeout, or the home run, which is what baseball has largely become, trying to find more opportunities for teams to string hits together—that that's what you want to see. I don't, I don't know if banning the shift is really going to promote that. Pitching has just gotten so good; it's just so good. So again, I'm kind of going off on a tangent here. I'm not totally sure how I got to this place, uh, but yeah. I, th- I think a tough opening weekend for the Brewers. You, They did not lose a series against the Cubs last year. They end up losing this series. Now it was originally scheduled for a four-game series, so if it would have been four games, we don't know if they would have been able to uh, split the series instead. But with the postponement, it turned to a three-game series, and they ended up losing two out of three. We also had the situation in the Saturday game with the hit-by-pitches, and I just I get so frustrated with Wilson Contreras. And I understand why, in that game specifically, the Cubs did not like the way things were going from a pitching standpoint from the Brewers. There were three hit-by-pitches. Contreras was one of them, and he gets hit all the time. Uh, I would, If I was the Cubs, I would have been more upset about the Ian Happ hit-by-pitch, because that was one that actually did damage. He had to come out of the game. He did not play on Sunday. He had been really an, uh, a strong offensive force throughout uh, the first two games of the series. It wasn't done on purpose. There was never intent on any of those hit-by-pitches from the Brewers, but it happened. Like, I, I get when there's three of them from one team and one of your top players is taken out, there might be some sort of revenge. There might be just a, a pitch that goes the other way. And The the, the way it went down, though, with Andrew McCutchen, where – the pitch was first thrown outside, and they end up missing, and it took multiple pitches to be able to to get that done, and McCutcheon talked about it. And from a, from a safety standpoint, when you're a hitter and you know that might be coming, you have one approach at the plate, but then all of a sudden, when it feels like, okay, maybe they're not going to be coming after me like that, you change a little bit. You might dig in a little bit more, and then all of a sudden... Because the approach has changed, there's a better chance that there could be some type of injury uh, that could result from it. So I thought, I thought Andrew McCutcheon's comments after the game on Saturday were, were spot on. And, you know, we talk about the unwritten rules of baseball. There's some people out there that say, well, there shouldn't be unwritten rules. What's that? That's dumb. That's stupid. There, there's no such thing. And there are, and some of them are, some of them don't need to be there. But the idea of how to handle that type of situation, because you're talking about potentially injuring players, and that's what Andrew McCutcheon got to uh, in, in his comments, I think knowing how to handle those type of situations, it's it's an important thing, and yeah, that was not uh, that was not the greatest situation. Really cool on Sunday to see uh, Mike Brasseau hit a home run uh, against the team that he grew up rooting for in a ballpark that he went to many, many games as a fan growing up. He grew up just across the Illinois border, uh, still in the Chicagoland area, but in the state of Indiana, about a half hour, 30-35 minutes from Wrigley Field, and uh, went to a lot of games, and then he got to hit that home run on Sunday, which was uh, turned into the game-winning home runs. Certainly, that was uh, absolutely a very, very cool story. All right, uh, so let's get to uh, this week's featured conversation. Again, we've got a little bit of news here in just a moment to uh, get to. Uh, we are going to uh, bring in Vinny Retino. Uh, Vinny is one of the studio analysts for uh, Bally Sports Wisconsin. He's part of the Locked On Brewers uh, podcast, and he is set to join – the rotating cast of characters, I guess you could say, as uh, one of the analysts that we are going to have on the Brewers Extra News post postgame show on uh, WTMJ. Vinny, thanks so much for uh, taking uh, the time with us. Uh, glad to be able to uh, get you on the program.
0: Matt, thanks for having me. Yeah, and thanks for having me join into that rotating cast of characters. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be fun for people who maybe listen to this podcast and don't know what we
1: do from a post-game perspective. When the Brewers Radio Network goes off the air, we do our local post-game show, Brewers Extra Innings. And uh, Craig Sean is still involved. Jerry Augustine is still doing uh, some games here and there. But as he kind of moves towards uh, retirement, he's not doing quite as many. So uh, happy to bring you into the fold. So for many games this year, and I think you are going to be doing like a ton of games from what, I, what I've heard. So I'm really looking forward to uh, being able to work with you. And I I think one of the differences between what you'll do on TV and and what we do on radio is there's a little bit more time to kind of expound on things. You know, sometimes you're, I think, time constraint on TV and there are time constraints in radio. Don't get me wrong, but I'm really looking forward to hearing you be able to maybe go in depth even more than you do on
0: TV. on doing it on the radio. Yeah, no, I'm going to ramble on about things that, you know, uh, I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to talk and I'm not going to stop until you tell me to stop about things about the game. No, seriously though. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be an opportunity to really kind of get in, into the weeds a little bit more on some of the things that I see in the game. And you and I are going to be able to discuss them and discuss them with fans that call in as well. So I'm, yeah, I'm really looking forward to the opportunity to break down the games. I mean, and what a fun group to break down. I mean, this is going to be a fun season. I know it wasn't a great first opening series, uh, but it was a great finish to the opening series. So it's it's uh, it's going to be an exciting year, and it's going to be a fun group to talk about. I
1: said this the other day. I, I always love talking about the Brewers. I love talking about baseball. It doesn't matter if it's the first game or the last game. I love doing it. But in the scale of how much I love it, I probably love it the least right now because – there's just not enough that's happened to make any type of conclusions. Yet fans out there want to make conclusions. So it's a it's a it's a big challenge for me because the starting pitchers struggling in the early season, it's probably nothing. We know who they are. Now, if this continues for the next two months, we can retroactively say, okay, well. That was there was a red flag when the season got started, but it might not be a red flag. It probably isn't a red flag. They're all probably going to be absolutely fine when all is said and done. So it's just a with the sport of baseball in 162 games, I personally really struggle here early on in the season because I have a hard time making any type of generalization
0: about anything. We all get caught up in it, right? I mean, I, got, I, I was thinking, what is going on with these starting pitchers? These guys are supposed to win the Cy Young. We didn't see any starts from these guys that looked like the this first start of the year. Especially, I mean, Corbin showed flashes. Of, of using that cutter in the third inning against the Cubs this opening series, but the rest of it was kind of garbage, right? I mean, he was not sharp at all. Woodruff, I have never seen him not command his fastball the way he did not command his fastball um, on Saturday. And then Freddie Peralta, you know, Freddie Peralta settled in. I, I, You know, he had a, a rough first inning um, and he's had rough first innings in the past. Look, here's the thing. I'll, I'll say this about, that that performance from all three of these guys. It is super hard to go from perfect, pristine weather where, where it feels like there's a dome over the Phoenix Valley and it really feels like there's a dome. If you've never been down to spring training during February and March, it feels like there's a dome over the entire place. You won't even find an insect flying in the air, right? So it's, it's 70 to 80, even in, you know, it got into the 90s. I know it got hot um, during spring training, but um, these guys go from that without any wind into Wrigley Field where it's 30 degrees and a 30 to 40-mile-an-hour wind blowing in your face. You can't see because your eyes are watering. It's terrible to play baseball in that kind of environment. Corbin Burns is relying, all these guys rely so much on touch and feel, and you can't feel your fingers. Of course, you're going to start scattering the baseball a little bit. And I don't want to make excuses for you know how they pitched, but that is – I mean, that's real. I mean, it's terrible to play in that kind of environment. And I know the other the other team also had to play in that environment as well. But um, I mean, you can kind of chalk, I think, that first series up to that. I think there's other reasons why they didn't play well this first series either. And we can talk about those. But um, I think that's part of the part of what you saw this this opening weekend. After Brandon Woodruff's final spring training start, he openly said that he wished he
1: had another two or three spring training starts before the season got started. It was a short spring training. Every time people out there say spring training needs to be shorter, I'm saying no, no, it doesn't. Because the year of the 60-game season, we saw what it – and I think it's kind of the same thing here. Like Especially from a pitching standpoint, it really feels like they need – every moment of Cactus League play to get to where they want
0: to be at the start of the season. I've gone back and forth on this, but I'm, I'm in agreement with Brandon Woodruff, and um, I'm in agreement with you on this now because there is an element of having it drag on that's important. It's spring training now. Like the six-week spring training, and, and, it, and I think it's seven weeks for pitchers and catchers that show up, I think, early part of February that there's an element of that that's important you want it to be boring. You want it to be rote, You want it to be like, okay, let's, let's get the season going. You don't want to feel rushed And all of a sudden you're in Wrigley field. And all of a sudden these games matter, um, at, you know, for a long time, I thought, you know, spring training just needs to be three weeks. Eh, I don't know. Even for the position player group, right? You want these guys to be fresh in terms of um, having having great footwork, having their hands feel like okay, because I, I got to tell you, the defense, especially Willie Adams, looked a little sloppy this this first opening series, and I think that's part of it. You want you want more ground balls, you want more reps, you want you, you know your feet underneath you to really kind of learn, relearn, I guess, the little nuances with little short hops and stuff like that. That's all that all matters, and I and I'm now in the camp. I can officially say I'm in the camp of having spring training be a normal length of spring training, six, seven weeks. That's what it needs to be.
1: In terms of um, the Cubs, and I know this is a Brewers podcast, not a Cubs podcast. I I was impressed by the the at-bats that they took, the approach that they took. Uh, Now, they were... They were pretty good for the first two months of the season last year before they fell off, so maybe it's going to be the same thing this year because on paper, they're not an overly impressive team, but through just three games of watching them, that looked like a pretty good
0: Cubs team. I th- I said the same thing, and I said when everyone was writing off the Cubs in terms of the Central, I said, well, you got to be careful with the Cubs. They're not going to be like the Reds or the Pirates. They're going to be pretty formidable. I mean, I mean, Marcus Stroman can deal, right? I always love Marcus Stroman. This guy's got multiple weapons. He's got a repertoire. He can command the baseball. He's got a deceptive fastball. They signed Wade Miley. This guy had like a five or six war as a starting pitcher last year for the Cincinnati Reds. I know he's hurt. That hurts them actually big time. Um, The only thing with the Cubs I see long term is that their bullpen is going to be a little bit shaky. Uh, Daniel Robertson looked really good, but they don't have a defined closer. Rowan Wick looked a little bit shaky as well. And I think... Um, that is going to be a concern for them going forward. But I 100% agree with the fact that this is a scrappy group. This group does put together really quality at-bats. Um, I mean, Nick Madrigal, this, this was a, a top prospect. That the, that the White Sox kind of just, I mean, they gave him away, it seems, in retrospect, knowing that Craig Kimbrell had an awful tenure with the White Sox. But now all of a sudden, you know, uh this this kid can play i mean he he's a contact hitter he's kind of your prototypical number 2 hitter you've you've got um nico horner he's a young good looking young player patrick wisdom's there frank schwindels there i mean these are these guys are out to prove something with no expectations mm-hmm. at all and so they're going to play hard they're going to play scrappy and i i was impressed with what they showed you didn't even mention maybe the guys who had the two most impressive series and uh Suzuki coming up yeah. from
1: uh from Japan and then Ian Happ played those first two games and you just he kept driving in runs i mean it just it came from everywhere
0: it did and that Suzuki guy yeah i mean he, so he's going to go around the league one or two times without anyone figuring him out right and he's, there's going to be no book on him until he gets more of a sample size, but yeah, really quality at bats from these guys up and down the lineup. And that's what you saw from a lot of the winning teams last year. And that's what teams I think are figuring out. You want to have a group of guys and the Brewers have showed flashes of this as well. And they need to get back to this on their offensive side. You need a group of guys that are going to really have quality at bats, pass the baton to the next guy. If you can't get it done, you have a quality at bat, wear the pitcher down. That puts a ton of pressure on opposing pitching staffs. And then all of a sudden you make more mistakes. Pitchers make more mistakes when you have tough at bat after tough at bat, get guys on base, stressful pitches. That's what you saw from the Cubs. That's something the Brewers are going to definitely need to get back to.
1: Yeah. And I think two years ago and beyond they did, I don't know if I would refer to the team last year as being that kind of team that consistently did that. And I don't really think we saw it this weekend. I, I don't know if that has anything to do with who you've got in the lineup or you know whatever it might be. And They did what they needed to do on Sunday. They hit home runs. They got a double from Christian Yalich. It was really that that looked like vintage Christian Yalich putting it down the left field line and chugging into second for an RBI double. But it does feel like the approach that maybe would work best,
0: we did not see this weekend. Didn't see it. Going to see it, though, in my opinion. You look, at, you look at the names up and down the lineup, especially when Luis Arias gets back. Into the lineup, gets back healthy with that quad injury. This team is going to be able to put together quality at bats, in my opinion. I mean, you got Colton Wong up at the top. You're going to have Luis Arias. You're going to have um, one of the hardest guys to to chase pitches in last year was Andrew McCutcheon. He never expanded the zone, right? Christian Yelich doesn't really expand the zone much. Need to get him back to impacting the baseball. Hopefully, the approach of him taking the ball the other way, kind of the way he did as a as a Marlin, um, might get him back on track to to kind of spraying the ball over the field and really barreling up the baseball. That's what you do need to see because the exit velos are still really high on Christian Yelich, even though he does, though know, he looks like a you know doesn't look like himself he's still really impacting the baseball just need him to lift it a little bit hopefully that's coming if it does yeah that presence in the middle of the lineup with him is gonna really help everybody and then rowdy Telez. i'm a big believer in rowdy i know that you and i have talked about him a ton in the past i'm a big believer that he is going to be another big presence in this lineup you saw him hit that towering home run today um that's an important piece for the for the Brewers team, not only offensively, but defensively as well. Do you think the fact that
1: it's a universal DH, because the Brousseau home run was a pinch hit home run, mm-hmm. uh, but there's not going to be as many pinch hit opportunities. And I think of somebody like Keston Hira. So let's say that um, Rowdy Tellez takes this first baseman job and just runs with it. And you have a hard time getting him out of the lineup. And uh, all of a sudden you're looking at Keston Hira and You know what he did in spring, you know, that he got to get him at bats, but you don't have as many pinch hit opportunities because, uh, the D like, are you at all concerned about the way Craig council manages a game
0: changes now with American league rules? Yeah, you're going to have to find a spot for Keston to get at bats. Um, because you got to know what, what you got, right? You yeah. have to find out what you have in him because he does look different. He had that elbow cleanup. I, I, I'm skeptical as to how much that impacted him last year just because we'd never really heard about it until now. But obviously, it's a factor. I just think he looks more confident. He looks more confident. He looks more sure of himself at the plate. Um, he's eliminated that little toe tap back and then to the leg kick. He's just going to the leg kick simplifying things and just using those great hands. He's got phenomenal hands. He's just tacking the ball out in front. So with that said, you got to find out, you really have to find out what you have in Keston. If not, if you can't get him at bats, you got to send him down to triple a. So that then just kind of solidifies what he did in spring training. Um, But yeah, I mean, Craig is going to have, not issues, but Craig is going to have um, have to find a way to get him in the lineup or send him down. When you were you mentioned the toe tap and the leg kick and everything. When you were playing, did you add and
1: subtract and, and change things to you to the way you went about your approach, or did you kind of
0: have a base thing that you always wanted to do and always wanted to go back to? <laughs> You're talking to a guy that hit like 140 in the big league. So, <laughs> but I did, I did have a, you know, I could, I could hit a little bit in AAA, right? So, I career average of around 300 in AAA. Um, I beat up on bad pitching, is what it was, and left handed pitching. I, I really hit left handed pitching well. But, um, yes, I, I think the more consistent you can be with one thing, the better off you are, right? So, what all players do. I mean, talking about my career as well, what I did when I was in trouble was I started chasing different ideas. I started chasing different swing thoughts and different, you know, hand positions and all this and that. Like, if you start getting into that, then you're done. Right. So hitting is super hard. Guys are throwing harder, now, more now than ever. Right. So, I mean, guys, when I was playing average fastball, I think it was like 90 or 91. I think it's 93 now. So guys are coming out of the bullpen throwing 97 with disgusting sliders and changeups and everything. And they're in the strike zone at the top is just really messing with guys' approaches too. So um, yeah, I mean, you gotta stick with one thing. It looks like Keston, and I think this is where you're going with that. Keston looks like he has found something that he can be consistent with and simplify things for himself and go from there. And hopefully that is the case. And he really starts to, you know, be a, a, an impactful presence for this offense because if he is, I mean, that is that is a big piece because there's pieces around him that are going to get on base. And If he can start driving the ball out of the ballpark consistently, that is going to be huge for this offense. Yeah, it still feels like, You're
1: still looking for the guys who are going to drive in runs. Like if there's one question I have about this team, it's the ability to drive in runs. And we've seen a little bit of a struggle with hitting with runners in scoring position. And those numbers tend to even out over the year, but sometimes they don't. And when the Brewers have gone into some bad periods, it's been very much connected to their inability to hit with runners in scoring position. One of the most frustrating type of games to watch is when you have 10 hits and you out hit the other team, but then you go one for 11 with runners in scoring position. We see too many games like that from the Brewers, I think.
0: You feel snake bitten as a a group. I think they were one for 10 opening day with runners in scoring position. Yeah, you feel like, how are we going to score runs? And it's almost like you get a runner in scoring position and all of a sudden you feel like Oh boy. It's almost like a burden. Like <laughs> we're not going to get this guy in. So it, it's totally, there's momentum to that. There's, um, even if you start hitting the ball hard, you're like, Oh, it's right at the guy again. And you feel snake bitten. And it, it is a, is a feel it's a bad feeling and you just got to kind of somehow get a few hits to fall in. And you realize you, you can take a step back and you can look at the field and you can say, wow, there's a lot of holes out there. As opposed to the other way, when you're one for ten, like they were in that opening opening game, feels like there's about fifty fielders out there, and there's no way that you're going to be able to get a run in. It feels like all oh, this pitcher just painting on me every single pitch, and uh, it starts to you start to build up pressure, and it, and it snowballs. Back to pitching for just a moment
1: before I let you go. We saw Josh Hader and Devin Williams for the first time on Sunday. Hader threw the second hardest pitch of his entire career. Uh, Williams looked really good with a couple strikeouts. So as maybe starters need a little bit more time from spring training, my goodness. And we can, uh, we can throw Boxberger box in there as well if we want to, but in terms of just overwhelming, impressive stuff, you would have thought that it was July
0: 1st looking at, at both Williams and Hayter unbelievable. I mean, I yawn when Josh Hader, you know, kind of comes into the game and I almost turn it off half the time because I, he's just, and again, I don't want to, I'm knocking on wood here. I'm not jinxing him. The guy is that good. He is so consistently good. He is so hard to hit. He's so deceptive. And by the way, it's 99 and he's painting now, all of a sudden he's painting that fastball at 99. So he's that good. It almost makes me so, so now (laughs) So now you add in Devin Williams and how good he looked. And it looked like he is on a mission. I mean, he broke his hand. He made a, a stupid, dumb mistake. It could have affected the Brewers' chances to win the World Series last year. And it may have. We'll never know. You um, could have managed the game a little bit differently in the playoffs last year against the Braves when he was not available because of that broken hand. But it, he he rehabbed that hand. He looks like he's throwing great Looks like his mechanics are consistent. You remember last year, Matt, how bad he looked early on. Looked like he was totally over his skis. It looked like the 2020 season was a bit of an anomaly because there's no fans in the stands, less pressure on him. Then he comes out in 2021 and he stunk it up. He had a shoulder issue. I thought he was dropping his arm. None of that opening or you know his first opportunity, his first appearance, game three against the Cubs against that in that series. I mean, he looked phenomenal. The changeup was absolutely gross, important for him to continue to utilize that fastball. So now here I'm thinking you got two legitimate, great closers in the game at the back end of your bullpen. And now all of a sudden I'm thinking, man, is the window for the Brewers to win? Does it, does it extend out a little bit because Devin Williams is that good? Um, you know, cause you are going to probably lose Josh Hader unless they come up with some money to extend him. Cause he's going to make a ton of money in free agency. But anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I, that's how good Devin Williams looked today. I mean, he looked absolutely phenomenal, continues to command that fastball to go along with that elite changeup and man, the brewers are looking good at the back end of their pen. They have a, if they have a lead, th- those games are going to get mighty short for the opposing team. Yeah. It feels like the old, uh, the, the double
1: seven inning double headers. You don't even need to worry about <laughs> playing the eighth and ninth inning you exactly. got That's coming in. So exactly. Well, Vinny, uh, I am really looking forward to doing uh more radio with you moving forward. Again, you're going to be part of uh, brewers extra innings, our post-game show on uh, WTMJ. Of course, people see you on Bally sports, Wisconsin. You're part of the locked on brewers podcast. So you do you're, you're all over the place. Uh, you're having a busy, how many interviews slash podcast are you just doing tonight?
0: Uh, um, you know what? <laughs> I, I, I did one already with the lacrosse radio station, um, and I'm doing yours, and I think I'm opting out of locked on tonight. Dom Catronio does a phenomenal job as well. I think he's going to take that one over tonight. But, um, yeah, I, I'm I'm busy, but it's usually at night. All the kids kids go to bed, and um, my wife goes to bed, and so I'll just hop on down here and this in my dungeon and, and do some interviews. I, I love it. I love talking baseball. Sounds good. Well, thanks so much. We'll,
1: uh, we'll be talking a lot here moving forward. Awesome. Thanks, Matt. Vinny Rettino joining us here on Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile, and that's just about going to uh, do it uh, for the show today. Here's the schedule for uh, the Brewers coming up this week. They are continuing their uh, season opening road trip as they're going to play a three-game series in Baltimore against the Orioles. Uh, Manager Craig Council did say that they are going to start – Corbin Burns in the third game of that series. So they're going a five-man rotation during this period as uh, they'll go with... they'll have, uh, excuse me, uh, Hauser and Lauer in the Monday and Tuesday games respectively. Ashby will continue to work out of the bullpen at some point when you don't have the off days and things like that, they will go to a uh, six-man rotation. Don't know if they'll stick with that for the whole year, but we'll see a six-man on occasion and Ashby, who will continue to work out of the bullpen until his spot comes up, uh, will be that guy. Brewers are going to open up the home portion of their season with the home opener coming up on Thursday. It is uh, going to be a 4-14 start on Thursday the 14th so 4-14 on 4-14 day that's going to open up a four-game series against the St. Louis Cardinals and that series is uh, that homestand will continue against the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates as well uh, coming up next week uh, going into the uh, two, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So four against the Cardinals and three against the Pirates at home. But first got to get through the three games against the Orioles. The game on Monday, it's an afternoon contest as it is the Orioles' home opener. Uh, that will be a 2.05 game, and then they'll play at 6.05 on Tuesday and Wednesday, respectively. All right, that's going to do it for uh, this week's edition of the podcast. Thanks so much for uh, being tuned in. I hope I'll hear from you uh, during the Brewers X Dreams post game show on WTMJ. Always enjoy being able to talk to uh, folks there. If you uh, Just so you know, we do stream that at WTMJ.com. The network radio broadcast cannot be streamed outside of the milwaukee area but uh, once the network broadcast wraps up the stream does go live again so if you want to listen to a post-game reaction to uh just about each and every uh brewers game you are able to do that at wtmj.com thanks to you for being tuned in thanks to Vinny rotino for joining us we'll talk to you again next week for another edition of brewers extra innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ.
0: Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.